You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. In the blue corner, we've got Mr. Carl supporting Tottenham. In the red corner, we've got Mr. Kenner's supporting Arsenal. Together, they will be discussing all of your football views, all of your football news. So join us here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Yes, indeed, you are listening to Carl and Keller's Hitting the Bar. Football from monocles to man buns. I'm Chris Carl. I'm a Tottenham fan. I'm here with Steve Kenton, an Arsenal fan. Hello, Steve. Episode five already? God, indeed it is. Indeed it is. We're still proving that the ugly guy, the ugly side of football really does still exist. And we have actually been mistaken as bad pussy's stunt doubles. Charming. Absolutely charming. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> um, now then, it's been an eventful uh, week or so since uh, the last recording. Uh, we've got a lot mm. to get through. We've got some uh, retro stuff. Uh, we've got some, where are they now, of course. But I would like to start with um, a big scandal that happened last week, as far as we're concerned. Mm. Uh, it's certainly, by the time you're listening to this, the scandal will not have gone away. It's all about uh, the World Cup in Qatar and corruption within and beyond FIFA. Now, we all know, uh, you know, the, the accusations that have been levelled at Sepp Blatter and uh, all those people that have been involved with FIFA over the years. Uh, there was a, a big survey, World Survey, Steve, I don't know if you know, um, the most corrupt organisations in the world. And FIFA came second. They would have come first, but they bribed the judges. Now, <laughs> <laughs> let's, Zero, but let's have a little look. Let's have a look at this story, Steve. <laughs> Did you take a bung for that joke? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I was like I said, you know, we can't sack the scriptwriter because it's us. Um, <laughs> but what's been happening with this, Steve? I mean, it's, it, first of all, it's a scandal, really, that the World Cup is in Qatar with the human rights violations. Oh, well, I mean, I think we've got to take human rights uh, out of the equation because this is something that really hasn't concerned FIFA over the decades. I mean, if you remember, well, you're far, I think you're far too young, aren't you? 1978 yeah. World Cup, um, Argentina, which was a fa- absolutely fantastic World Cup, but, you know, there was some serious human rights abuses um, performed by the Argentinian government back in the, back in the day. Um, so human rights doesn't really come into it with FIFA. They're, they're really not... No, only, so they've got form. Them when it suits them. Yeah, they've got form, definitely. Yeah. Um, should the World Cup have been in Qatar? Well, Qatar paid enough for it, didn't they? Well, th- this is this is the story that's come out uh, that payments were made uh, before it was actually announced, mm. and uh, what is now known as B in Sport, which was then uh, Al Jazeera, uh, which was owned uh, or is owned by one of the people who was leading the Qatari bid for the World Cup, uh, they'd actually already signed um, a contract to be the TV hosts. Uh, before Qatar had even been awarded it, and then bribes were made or payments were made for votes uh, at 200 grand a time uh, to some African countries. I mean, it's the whole thing stinks. Um, you know, it, 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 it's a, a moral desert, uh, Qatar, <laughs> yes. uh, or the Qatari World Cup at least. And the other story, of course, uh, going back to human rights, but is that uh, if they aren't able to cope with some of the games, uh, because of the stadium not being ready, uh, some of the games will be farmed out to neighbouring countries, which includes, of course, Saudi Arabia. But that that wasn't part of the uh, the original deal, was nope, it? Nope, not at all. So we we have the, this situation where we we have a, a, a nation. Okay, they, they've now got the World Cup. We can't really take it away from them. The stadia are being built. People have died building the stadia. Stadium actually, stadia. Yes. To be honest, so you know, do we take it away from them now? Well, the answer's got to be no. Really, it's it's there. We've got to move forward with this, but 
should FIFA oversee any future um, any any future World Cups? Should they be involved in in the tendering process, or should it be done by a completely independent organisation away from FIFA? Well, this is this is this is the question that's being asked. Of course, Steve is you know. As you say, you know they have no moral compass, FIFA anyway, as it is. Uh, so we have to assume that you know wherever wherever they go or wherever they move the World Cup to, it's not going to be that legitimate. And uh, now we spoke on the radio show that we're both involved in on uh, ninety-three point six Global Radio um, here in uh, Spain on the Costa del Sol. We spoke on the live show uh, last Saturday um, ab- about this this problem and maybe. The, because who who are, who are FIFA to say what football associations should do? You know, it's just an organisation. It's not a charity. It's not, you know, it's an almost sort of undemocratic, independent body. People were suggesting, and have been for many years, that maybe FAs around the world should just opt out and form their own organisation where they can all actually agree. Because quite clearly, Australia and Britain, uh, England, and other bids were far more comprehensive and viable and, uh, than than Qatar. But money ruled the day. But doesn't it always? Um, you know, in previous World Cups, there's there's been some serious allegations flying around, which you know may be true, may not be true. We can't really say one way or the other. I think there is an argument now to to look at FIFA and say, look, either you clean house or we pull out. And we're talking the ma- major, fo- well, not just the major footballing nations, but obviously the minor footballing nations as well, because they suffer ultimately as well, don't they? Um, Mm-mm. You know, there, w- there were some very, very good bids. You know, I think the, the Benelux uh, countries put in a, a in a decent bid. Um, money is always going to talk, but but where where you've got so many allegations against one organisation, you really have to take a very close look mm. at that organisation. I mean, didn't they put down an investigation to something like forty-one pages? And the guy who compiled the initial report, whose name escapes me right now. <laughs> said, this is not what I wrote, and uh, just went absolutely spare over it. Yes, I mean things. Are, I mean the co- the cover up is 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 quite massive and comprehensive, and you know the, the 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 fact that they're able to govern and police themselves. So when people complain, they say, oh yes, we'll look into that, um, and then they'll say, we found nothing, you know, clean as a whistle, uh, because they would, um, you know, there's nobody actually, but. Unless it goes to court or they get, you know, they get actually uh, a criminal investigation is made against them. The only people investigating them is themselves. Yeah. You know, yeah, un- un- unless, you know, you're an extremely honest, you know, unless they're, they're sort of some sort of Zen Buddhist organisation, they're not going to admit to being wrong, are they? Well, of course not. They're not going to bring themselves into disrepute. So it does take an outside organisation to investigate FIFA. But then who's more powerful than FIFA other than... Some uh, as other than other than other governments actually, because FIFA are like a government; they operate in a very similar way. Yeah, the only difference is they're unelected. Yes, I mean it's it's quite yeah, uh, it's 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 quite scandalous. Um, you know, we'd like to hear your opinions. You can find us, of course, on Facebook, Carl and Kenners, hitting the bar on Twitter, at uh, Carl and Kenners, and you know, give us your opinion on this podcast wherever you found it in your comments below. Uh, tell us what you think should. Governing bodies, the FAs around the world, the English FA, uh, the La Liga, Spanish FA, whatever it is, whatever country it is, mm. should they move away from FIFA and set up their own organisations? Should FIFA be sanctioned and closed down? What should happen about Qatar? Moving on, Steve. Yes. Moving on. 
Last week, we were speaking or trying to compile an all-time, well, not an all-time, but a Scotland 16 from 1975 onwards. Something we do on every show. We start one week, follow it up the following week. Um, so, I've come up with what I believe could be a pretty decent 16 okay. from 1975. All right, because it's quite, I mean, with all due respect to Scotland, um, you know, they are sort of... I was going to say perennial, but it isn't. It's every two years or every four years. Mm. Uh, the joke about, you know, Scot a Scot Scottish person at the World Cup is a referee, all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, you know, it's a small nation of six million people. Um, although, let's be fair, Iceland, 456 million, uh, thousand people mm. uh, do, do very well. But, it, you know, it is a small nation. That, you know, it isn't a strong league. Um, it isn't, there isn't a lot of money there. But it is going to be difficult to find a reason to pick, you know, 16... Scot Scottish internationals because what have they achieved? You know, they've not had the opportunity to, to get to quarterfinals and semifinals. Mm. So how have you gone about this? Well, I, obviously, there were before the inception of the Premier League, which, um, oddly enough, did, this will lead us on to something else shortly, I believe. Um, we had a massive, massive influx of Scottish, Welsh, Irish um, footballers and they, these were these were quality players. They still are quality players. They just don't get the exposure that that they used to in the past because they're just not playing at Premier League clubs. So, I've had to obviously do a little bit of digging, but I think I've come up with a pretty decent lineup, which obviously is arguable. And you, as the listener, you can tear it to pieces if you like, add your own, take others out, whatever. I've tried to be pretty fair across the board here. And so, in goal. <coughs> I've started with Jim Layton. Right. Uh, Man United keeper. He was a good keeper. He, he performed quite well at international level, to be fair to him. So I've gone Jim Layton. At right back, I've gone Danny McGrain. Danny McGrain was an absolutely brilliant fullback for Celtic. Got a lot of caps. Um, just just was a really good, solid Solid. Mm -hmm. um, I've gone for Manchester City's Willie Donachie at left back. That's an interesting choice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, Willie Donachie, I think, was a very, very underrated player. Um, he's probably best remembered for an own, a bizarre own goal he scored um, when Scotland played Wales. It was actually his last international cap. Was that uh, the reason? Or <laughs> Yeah, I think it probably yeah. was. It was a complete mix-up between him and, I believe, Kennedy was in goal. Uh, Kennedy's bowled the ball out to Donachie. Donachie has just turned around, gone to pass the ball straight back to him. Kennedy wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere to be seen. He just disappeared Did in a puff of smoke. Right. Um, but he was still a really good full, a really good attacking fullback. Um, ended up uh, Norwich, uh, Oldham. Um, he was also a uh, Portland Timbers. He became a coach at Newcastle. Um, so a respectable career. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he was a he was a youth coach at uh, Newcastle. Unfortunately, he he um, got the sack for thumping one of the uh, one of the lads there. <laughs> but I don't know why I shouldn't laugh at that. Really. Yeah, but you know these things happen. Just asked um, Jack Grealish. Yes, um, absolutely. So centre halves. Now I had a lot to choose from. The likes of Gordon McQueen. What a player! He yes. was great, wasn't he? Martin Bucken. Mm -hmm. Martin Bucken for me was an absolutely. Absolute colossus. 
Alan Hansen again. Alan Hansen is there, but he's on the bench. Um, wow, so Alan Hansen doesn't make it into the uh, start. No, no, because you've got Roy Aitken and Dave Mackay. Dave Mackay was right at the end of his international career, but he had to be there. Uh, well, I mean, if you're going to choose Alan Hansen, it should be when he was very young and put him on the bench because you win nothing with kids. That's oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I've gone for Roy Aitken and Dave Mackay. Uh, in the middle, this was really difficult. Again, a lot of quality to choose from. But I've gone with Billy Bremner. Um... I've gone with Archie Gemmell, Graham Souness, and I've gone for John Robertson out on the left. All right. Okay. Interesting. And um, up front, I've gone with Ali McCoist and Kenny Dalgleish. Yes, of course. Uh, everybody listening to this uh, was, is, was waiting for the name Dalgleish to come out yeah. there. Um, you can't have any Scotland best offside for the last 30, 40 years without him, of course. E- exactly. I mean, he's one of the finest products in any era for any, uh, in any position of any player he, he was the closest Scotland have had to George Best in my opinion um, so on the subs bench we've got the curly perm of Alan Ruff right. <laughs> man buns and monocles and curly perms so we've got Ruff in goal we've got Alan Hansen yep. uh, David Hay all right, that's an interesting choice. Uh, fantastic stuff. Okay, um, I've gone with uh, David Hay, who's a superb player. And I've also gone with Derek Johnston and Charlie Nicholas. Charlie Nichols, of course, uh, everybody knows that name. Um, big, big player, uh, of, you know, throughout, throughout our youth, I suppose. Um, and another name that I suppose you'd expect to be on that team sheet. Yeah, yeah, a bit of a maverick. Um, it's, it's quite funny. I always felt he underachieved very slightly in his career. I know that sounds a bit strange, but I, I felt he could have gone on to bigger, better, greater things. Uh, Arsenal, when he never quite, quite fired. Got over know, that he line. He, he was very erratic, um, but he was still a fabulous, fabulous player. Uh, I think, you know, he might be somebody that we'll have to cover in our Where Are They Now section in a future episode. Uh, yeah, well, he, he's doing a lot of punditry at the moment that I am aware of. Right. Oh, uh, that's where he is then. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, but uh, yeah. we are going to have a little look at some uh, Where Are They Now footballers a little mm. bit later. Um, but so the Scotland 11, no, Scotland 16. Um, you know, interesting selection so far, Steve. You know, um, I'm not, I mean, I'm not, I'm not an aficionado. I don't know a lot about Scottish football, and that's that is to my, you know, that to my shame, I suppose, because there have been some great players. Uh, you know, we mentioned on a previous episode, of course, one of those players, Archie Gemmell. Um, you know, who could ever forget that goal? Um, you know, oh, you can look look up Archie yeah. Gemmell, greatest goal on YouTube, uh, fantastic stuff. A low centre of gravity, of course, and then his son went on to play football as well. Um, so, uh, mm. some great names in there, not least, of course, Kenny Dalgleish. I wonder where he is now. Faded away after foot, uh, his playing uh, career, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's, he, he, he's retired and he, he retired and just enjoying his life, I believe. Um, came away from football after um, after Liverpool, Blackburn, etc. So you know he's 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 um you know he, he's doing what probably most footballers should be doing and just enjoying his the rest you know his life. Absolutely. Now, the um, the Scottish 
16 that I picked out there. We discussed just just before, obviously, um, I, I gave these the 16, how there is a real dearth of Scottish players in, in the top flight. Mm-hmm. There is a, a blog, um, Stu's Football Flashbacks. The chap's name is Stuart Steelyard. A lovely name. Oh, yeah. Very memorable. Now, he has written a blog um, in relation to foreign players who started in the opening um, Premier League weekend. And there was only 11, believe it or not. Right. Now, I'm scrolling through his blog right now as I, as I speak. You know, there, w- there was the likes of Eric Cantona, um, Craig Forrest of Ipswich Town, Gunnar Harley of Oldham, uh, John Jensen at Arsenal. Right, yeah. Andrei Konchelskis, Anders Limpar, Roland Nielsen, uh, uh, Schmeichel, of course, Hans Sagers, um, Jan Steiskel at QPR. Do you remember him? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and uh, Michel, uh, Michel Vonk, or Michel Vonk at Man City. Now, the thing is, if you look now... So what are we talking, 20, 27 years later, how many players are, how many indigenous players, English players, if you like, are liable to start any given game? Well, it's, there's uh, a lot of statistics about this um, because, um, there, I mean, of course, we've got the, the law about how many sort of um, homegrown players you have to have, but in Gareth Southgate, only a month or two ago, during the last international break, was bemoaning the fact that uh, the, st- the amount of English players starting games or being in squads for the, uh, in Premier League uh, games uh, has dropped over the last five years, and it's way below 20% across the board. Mm. And he said that gives him no choice of players who are playing on a regular basis, because that, that if you've got one or two out of a starting 16, not a starting six, six, squad of 16, one or two players that might get a game, you take that across, what is it, you know, um, 10 games in the Premier League on any given week, you know, that's, that's, uh, that's only like 20 players in total he's got to choose from, in total. And now he might know he's starting, you know, obviously Harry Kane, uh, etc. He might know five of them. But if a couple of those are injured, he's, he's, he's left with nobody to actually choose from. He's got, just got to choose those that are playing. Hmm. Yeah, and th- this is something that... Um Stu, uh, Stu picked up on in his in his, um, in his blog. It's a very good blog. I do urge you guys to read it. Um, we will put the uh, link on our Facebook page and our Twitter page. It is a really good blog. Please read it. But it's very informative because it does make you think. Because what is happen? What is going to happen moving forward to our international sides? Not just in England, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, and as well as the likes of France, Spain, Germany, etc. What, where, where are our our youth players? Where where are our young players going to be able to play? You know, even in the championship, there is an absolute glut of of foreign imports. Even moving down to the first division now. Yeah, League One. I mean, it's still still a lot of uh, uh, kids coming from abroad to get training, but. There is a little bit of hope because uh, very young, shall we say very young, um, former academy players are getting picked up uh, by the German leagues, particularly, of course, the Bundesliga. And we've see, seen that recently with uh, with a, a couple of uh, 
players that are going to be uh, internationals. Jordan Sancho. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's the, the biggest example. But there are a couple more in the Bundesliga and the next division down uh, that couldn't, you know, the, uh, obviously some, quite a few, I'd imagine, Chelsea loanees uh, because most, you know, most of their uh, squad is out on loan. Um, they're getting games now in the German leagues where they can't even get into a championship side. And, and as you say, Sanjo, I mean, he's setting Dortmund alight. He's an absolutely fantastic player. And as a result of getting games there, he's got into the England team. He's now been, you know, Manchester United are sniffing around him. Um, if he hadn't gone abroad, he'd be playing in under-21 games and reserve games um, for, you know, for his original club and, and not getting noticed by Gareth Southgate because you don't in those games. Mm. It's an utterly damning indictment uh, of, of, of the league in England in general. No league should be overpopulated um, with foreign nationals in, in any league. It doesn't matter whether you're Germany, whether you're Italy or whatever. You know, that the indigenous league, you, you should be promoting your, your, your indigenous talent. And, you know, that, that's not being xenophobic. You know, but it helps promote football across nations. It helps promote football in any given country. You know, you look at the ice, the ice, uh, the Icelandic team. Now, admittedly, most of their players are now playing in the Premiership, but they all started at under-16 level. Uh, teams like Grindavik and Reykjavik. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing to do with um, immigration law or EU law or anything like that. Uh, it's to do more with grassroots football and where the money is going. Uh, and the FA um, put it, and the British government putting money into grassroots sports and grassroots football and the clubs themselves believing in and spending money on their academies. I mean, I remember back in sort of 2000 to 2010 when Simon Jordan had Crystal Palace, his big aim was to increase and make the academy something special. And it was, you know, probably his proudest achievement at Crystal Palace. And they did have the best academy Possibly of all the top, you know, 20, 20, 30 clubs, you know, mm. Premier League and Championship, uh, top 10 maybe. Um, that's sort of still still going very strongly, but the academies is where children or youngsters should be nurtured and brought on. And they're not really, I don't think, money, you're not going to spend, for some reason, they're not spending 50 million on a decent academy. They're buying a foreign player. Doesn't have, doesn't matter where he's from. It can be England, can be Scotland, can be Argentina, but a ready-made player. They'd rather have a shelf, an off-the-shelf player than develop their own. And that is, as you say, leading to a below-par England team and a Scot below-par Scotland team and Welsh team and Northern Ireland because all home nations, which is something we want to get onto in a little while. Um, so it's about, I think, the clubs themselves believing in and investing in their, um, their own academies. What's gone wrong with the academies? Why? Money. It's always going to be money. It is cheaper to bring in. It's a, it, oh, sorry, not not necessarily cheaper, but it's less of a gamble to bring in a a ready-made product, which, which unfortunately that that's a term I'm going to use for a player yep. because they are a product. They are an asset. It's it, it's less of a gamble to bring in someone who's ready-made, and it is to nurture and develop um, yeah. a young player because you are taking a chance. You can't guarantee that they're going to be any good. You know, three, four seasons or three, four years down the line. Absolutely. I uh, just want to mention while we're talking about that, because um, we're going to move on now and talk about the home nations and stuff like that uh, and look at some uh, some history of clubs. Mm. I do want to say a big thank you uh, to the 
people that support this podcast, Carl and Ken are sitting in a bar. Football's from Manacles. Uh, Monocles. Manacles, that'd be an interesting oh, show, wouldn't I it? say, where have you Foot- been spending <laughs> your time, sir? Football's, <laughs> footballers from Manacles to, yes. Um, no, I'd like to thank everybody who supports it. We're not going to edit that out. I'm going to leave that in. Yeah, no, no. From um, Manacles to whips and chains. Yes, there you go. <laughs> um, we are supported very kindly uh, by Taxi Point, uh, which is um, it's a magazine online um, with impartial news and views and events uh, surrounding the taxi industry, Steve, um, of which you are part yourself. So uh, Taxi Point, a big thank you to them. You can reach them on all the W's dot taxi dash point. .co.uk, and also, of course, we are recording this in the very luxurious and beautiful <laughs> surroundings of our bar in the El Zocco Centre, Calahonda. So, a big thank you to our bar. You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. In the blue corner, we've got Mr. Carl supporting Tottenham. In the red corner, we've got Mr. Kenner's supporting Arsenal. Together, they will be discussing all of your football views, all of your football news. So join us here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Thank you very much to them. And I'd just like to say a shout-out to Stephen, uh, who works in our bar. He's a lovely, lovely dad, uh, who's very helpful here. Um, he'd like me to say hello to Calahondo Mobile Valeting, their specialists in uh, exterior polishing and waxing. Mm. I presume that means cars. Not judging by my legs. No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so if you're interested in getting your car valeted by the best uh, in Calahonda, Calahonda Mobile Valeting, you can find them on Facebook. Uh, And hello to Stephen. Thanks for all your help. and also, Steve, some mates of yours want to shout out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to give a shout out to both Michelle and Tony Johnston of Ace of Shades. Look them up on Facebook. They're Ace of Shades. Clever name. Great name. And it was a great song by Motorhead as well. Absolutely. Fantastic. Now then, uh, Steve. Uh, Steve Kenton, the Arsenal fan of Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Mm. Football from monocles to man buns. Uh, you know, we do look back on uh, football history and uh, fun facts and everything, but also one of our little segments, like professional podcasters that we are, we have regular segments, and one is a sort of, where are they now? And, uh, you know, I'd like to know where uh, David Andrews is. You don't know who he is, but he owes me a tenner. Uh, is he a relative of Iman Andrews? <laughs> Uh, but seriously, seriously, uh, where are they now? We've, uh, we've got a few to run past you. Uh, Philippe Albert. Philippe Albert. That was very French. It I like was, the way uh, you said is, that. Which is unfortunate because he was Belgian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I know. Yes. That's how French <laughs> That's I you said like, you sounded very French. Yes, yes. Mm. Um, legend on Tyneside, of course. Um, you know, lobbed Peter, Peter Schmeichel, and I'm talking about on the football field. 
Um, he was quick to put his football career behind him. Now began a career running a fruit and veg business uh, in Belgium. Well done to him. Um, did apples and pears, football and whatever. You know, it's a big difference. Mm. Um, but you know, good, good. I mean. You see ex-criminals, don't you, running um, <laughs> flower stands in the East End or whatever it is. Uh, but uh, he's gone <laughs> on to run a fruit and vegetable. It's a weird thing for a footballer to do. Cool, blimey, you know, Gavin, no mistake. <laughs> uh, you know, is this, it, I don't know. It just seems, to me, it seems very unglamorous. I can't, I can't further away from football than I that. I can't really see Philip Albert standing in the, in the pouring rain in, in the middle of Petticoat Lane. <laughs> no, uh, when, when it says he runs a fruit and veg stand, it probably means he owns it. And somebody else stands there and does does all the two for a pound, get a meal while they're hot and all that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> or only in, in Flemish, obviously, not in my little you know, mm, yeah, English yeah. thing there. But which was actually French. <laughs> yeah. <we're> <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Moving uh, on. David May. David mm. May. Or may not. Eh? Or may not. David mm. May. Or may not. You know, let's. Uh, trees are green and trees mm. are May. Fifty um, shades of May. Different shades of May. Very Fifty good. shades. Yeah. Fifty shades. Fifty shades of May. Yes. Clever. Yeah, the darling David Buds of May, yeah. Oh. Um, 1.2 million he got when uh, United signed him from Blackburn in 1994. Apparently he was a big joker in the dressing room. Uh, he said, when I wasn't greeting Geordie Cruyff with um, Dos, Dos San Miguel's, you... Oh, this is terrible. You, I can't repeat that, I think. I think it's a very dodgy sort of... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it could be crossing the line here. Yeah, but casual racism a little bit from David May there, I think, in the past. <laughs> yeah. Um, didn't know better. Uh, but he was a big joker, apparently. Retired in 2004. Started to import South African wine with a friend. Uh, and it's gone very well, he says. Uh, or at least um, in, the in the last few years, he, he has been doing very well with his South African wine. Again, not something you would connect with football. Hmm. And uh, you've got David Spink there, I think. Not literally. Uh, David Spink? Yes. You mean David Nigel, Hillier? No, who's David Spink? Uh, David Hillier and Nigel Spink. Yes, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> okay, let's start off with David Hillier, who's moved yes. into luggage sales. Actually, no, he hasn't. <laughs> 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 Scrub that. No, uh, David Hillier. Um, now, after winning several trophies at Arsenal, he retired in 2002. And after his release by Bristol Rovers, he wasn't in prison there. He was actually playing for them. Um... He, uh, what position I, did he play? Was it was defence? In his defence? In his defence. Oh, God. Your honour. Anyway, on. moving on. Um, he landed a job as a firefighter. So two thumbs up to David Hillier because that is a really tough job and lots of respect from ourselves here to the firefighting fraternity Absolutely. anywhere on the planet. Absolutely. And all, uh, all, all emergency services, actually. Absolutely. Keep us all safe and mean we can do silly things yep. like this. And, and Nigel Spink. That's fella. That's yeah, him. now, Nigel Spink, European Cup winner with Aston Villa in 1982, garnered an England cap. Um, he quit... Full-time football, he just came straight out of it, claiming it had just become very demanding. Um, he now <laughs> drives up and down the motorway with a van full of gear, taking Pardon? it from A to B. A van full of gear? And <laughs> not gear as in ah, smokable right. gear, no, we're no, talking right. whatever somebody may wish to shift. Oh, so he's like a haulage um, Yeah, yeah he's, he's basically a man with a van. Man with a van, Nigel Spink. Uh, and you mentioned there Aston Villa. Uh, which just brings me to a very silly fun fact. Did you know, Steve Kenton, did you know uh, that in the year 2003 to 2004, uh, new boys' names, you know, when parents have children, yeah. and register the new name, uh, 39 Mr. and Mrs. Villa registered name, registered name Aston as their son's name. 
39 missed. A, for, for a start, in the, this is only in the Midlands, by the way. Yeah. Didn't happen anywhere, Wales, Scotland, the rest of England. Just in the Midlands, there are at least 39 people, Mr. and Mrs. Villa, and those 39, yeah, registered their son's birth as Aston. How many Mr. and Mrs. Munch and Gladbacks are there? Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, you can, you know, with that poor kid growing up, can you imagine? Yeah, can yeah. You imagine? Mm. Aston, now, wasn't that the surname of the World Cup referee, Ken Aston, who um, was a head teacher in Newbury Park in Ilford in Essex and has a square named after him in Barkingside, believe it or not. Really, that's interesting. You know that in Scotland, uh, there there is actually a place named after a very famous racing driver. Go on. A- Airtown Centre. Airtown <laughs> Centre. <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, it's the only chance, I mean, I don't get out much, Steve, you know, so. These, <laughs> Clearly. These are, <laughs> are bottled up inside me. Jokes like that. I wouldn't let you out much either. <laughs> <laughs> I've been tested. I'm all right. Mm. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so, Nigel, Spe- I mean, you know, these guys are doing very... Let's say prosaic, mundane jobs. Mm. Um, you know, not glamorous at all. Um, whereas you've got, you know, people like Cantona yeah. uh, making films. Even Vinnie Jones is a Hollywood star now. Um, I wouldn't got go so far as a star, but well, in his own yeah. mind, yeah, yeah, in yeah, his yeah, own yeah. mind. I like Vinnie, Vinnie yeah, Jones. No, we mean, like Vinnie you Jones. Know, you've, you've got former footballers like Zinedine Zidane, who, of course, you know, managing one of the top clubs in the world. Yeah. Um, then you've got kind of. I suppose national treasure is not going too far. National treasure, Gary Lineker. Um, you know, these, these players have gone on to very glamorous jobs, yeah. very highly paid jobs. And then you've got Nigel Spink bombing up and down the motorway, delivering fridges to people. And out Philip Albert, or Philippe Albert, um, you know, yeah. bagging up the spuds. <laughs> Well, yeah, folks, your boat, I suppose, as they say. It's all about happiness, isn't it? You know, yeah. if, if these guys weren't happy remaining in football for whatever reason. Romanian football? <laughs> or remaining in football? Are we talking Georgie Haji here? Yes. I wonder where he is now. We'll, we'll come to him. We'll have to, have to Google him. Yeah. <laughs> um, but interestingly, you know, it is. It, why shouldn't they go into a normal, boring job? Well, not boring. Mm. An apology to anybody in those no, jobs. No, 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 just, just different, different professions. Yeah, out of the limelight, you know. And, yeah. Um, you know, like we were talking about, you know, the, the footballer who has a pancake stall last uh, episode. Yeah, you know. was that Ken, Kenny Monkell, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yes. yes. Yeah. Flipping his... Fli- to- toss it, tossing his, his, yeah. tossing his loads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, so good yeah. luck to all of them. You know, I think you a lot of them were paid a lot of money. You've got to give them credit for carrying on because I'd mm. possibly me, I'd sit in my, my, my mansion in Chigwell or wherever it is and, um, and, and just retire and, you know, play Xbox or something. That sounds like a pretty good life to me. Yeah, yeah it's something I do dream of every Monday morning. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what I do every Monday morning. No, no, but we, we've, we've, we've seen the reports. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> moving and on, the videos. moving on. Uh, let's have a little bit of retro football, because we do yeah. like to look at old teams here on Carl and Kenneth hitting the bar from football Football from monocles to man buns, and we do look. That's why it's monocles because we like mm. to look at the older side of football. And we've looked at some very old, some of the oldest clubs in the world. Uh, mm. Who've you got for us uh, this week, Steve? Well, speaking of monocles, and um, speaking of tossers earlier on, yes. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about old Etonians, old not Etonians. David Cameron. 
No, Hints Jacob, to Tulsa's yeah, reference. Jacob um, Rees-Mogg and all those, because yeah. we, we did talk before we recorded this, we yeah. did mention it, and I've got to do it. I've got mm, to yeah, do it. You've got if to do it. If you are going to have a football team made up of old Etonians, you've got David Cameron, who's been left out completely, mm. and you've got you've got Jacob Rees-Mogg on the far, uh, far, on the right, right, far wing. right wing. Yep, yep. <laughs> but these, this is actually the team, the old Etonians, yeah. not people of that very elite and myopic club. <laughs> Indeed. Okay, so, <coughs> old Etonians... They were founded by Lord Kinnaird, and they were the last amateur club to win the FA Cup were, um, in 1882 when they beat Blackburn Rovers 1-0 at the Oval. Um, ironically enough, um, they got, in turn, they got beaten by Blackburn Rovers 7-1 the previous week. Oh, God. Which is a bit, bit of a strange result, but there you go. Um they reached the FA Cup final six times, an incredible six times in nine years, between 1875 and 1883, but they only actually won it twice. Okay. Um, and they also supplied quite a few players for the English national side, um, including three in one game against Wales in 1879. I wasn't there at the time, so forgive me, I couldn't <laughs> tell you who they were, but I would suggest Lord Kinnaird was one of them. Wow. Um, now, in modern times... <coughs> Old Etonians, a member of the uh, Amateur Football Alliance, uh, they filled three teams in the Arthurian League, which I must admit is a league that I've never heard of, and have won the league's Premier Division title on two occasions. Fantastic stuff. I mean, you know, these, these are clubs that have gone by the way. Um, you know, we talked about Sheffield, didn't we, last time out. Mm. Um, these are clubs that are no long, either no longer professional or competing in not even semi-professional leagues, but in sort of, you know, second division of the Northern, Northern, mm. whatever, you know, league. Uh, but some of them still going, but the old Etonians, um, you know, it's something you don't hear of at all these days, of course. No, not, no, not at all. I mean, you know, they've, they've got an extremely rich history. Um, it's a little known history, though. I mean, you know, the only thing that they seem to be remembered for is their FA Cup appearances. Mm. Um, nothing, nothing more than that, really. And it's a, it's a little bit unfair. Nobody speaks about them, so I decided to dig them up. Um, which not literally. Not, not literally. That, obviously, that not be, Lord Kinnaird. Um, <laughs> Lord Kinnaird, funnily enough, made one appearance for Scotland actually in 1873, which was the second ever international match. Really? Believe it or not, the yeah. Scotland's second ever, or the, the, the second of ever all time. of all time. Wow, Scotland were in the second, and they've actually not played in one since. Yeah, um, <laughs> and now I don't know whether you can hear this in the background, but we've actually got bagpipes going on the moment I mentioned Scotland. That's a bit weird, isn't it? That's uh, very spooky. I don't know, that is spooky, yeah. <laughs> um, is I can't hear, folks, I can't hear it. It's something in Steve's head, I think. However, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's interesting. No, that definitely bagpipes. There, are, there were bagpipes, yeah. <laughs> Uh, very odd, come, you know, for coming from an English bar in Spain. Um, but it yeah. is, they've got the radio playing on in the background. We've got, we've got some ambient music for you mm. in, uh, in the background. And no doubt we'll probably have football going on later on in the, uh, in the evening. Uh, well, there is, in fact, uh, we're, as we record, there are uh, international games this week. Of Indeed. course, the European qualifiers have started. Um, mm. Coming up, we've got England against the Czech Republic. Uh, which could be an interesting game. You know, they used to be quite a strong team, didn't they? Czechoslov uh, Czechoslovakia and then Czech Republic have had some very, yeah, very Czech, famous Czechs players. used to bounce along quite nicely, didn't they? Yeah. <laughs> dear, oh dear, we've done this. Uh, no, we can't do it. Um, but 
Yes, the Czech Republic. Um, uh. I've got to tell you, I've been to Prague and it's a beautiful mm. place, but they do love uh, their football. I've been to Prague, yeah. um, you know, the capital of uh, the Czech Republic, and they, apart from being a very historic city, they do love their football. And yeah. they've got a very proud and traditional uh, Premier League there as well. Not as strong as ours, mm. uh, but you know, they, do, they do take it very, very seriously. And the Czech Republic and Czechoslovakia have mm. a great history in world football. In, indeed, they do. In fact, one of their one of their club sides had a song na- uh, made about them. All I want for Christmas is my Dukla Prague away kit by the wonderful Half Man Half Biscuits. Brilliant. Uh, let's let's have a little look, and we'd like people to write in. Um, <laughs> In the comment section here, uh, wherever you're looking at this, listening to this on iTunes, on YouTube, on Spotify, uh, on all the different sites that we are available on, in the comment section, do give, give us some examples because, of course, football and pop music and rock and roll and, and rock music have gone in hand in hand because, you know, this sort of demographic is very similar. Young people enjoy, you know, going out. Um, there are a lot of, lot of, you know, Vindaloo, of course, yeah, Fat Les, yep. you know, we've got, we've got all that. We've got Chaz and Dave. Yeah, not exactly young people's music, but Chaz and Dave with all their Tottenham songs. Yeah, um, uh, jo- uh, George, <laughs> yeah, George Farden, Belfast boy. Absolutely, yeah, superb I mean, song. There's a lot of football-related um, um, or referencing pop mm. rock songs. So let's hear yours. But Steve, you've got a mm. couple here. That so apart from that one, there's another one, isn't there? Yeah, there uh, is. Which we can't <laughs> exactly quote. <coughs> the man don't give. A flaming nuisance. Yes, <laughs> well, I've had, to, it, yes, I've had yes, to clean yes. that up because yes. he that actually give a isn't the title. Yes, yes. He, yes all nice. Um, that was uh, by Super Furry Animals. Now that song is in reference to the late great Robin Friday. Uh, used to play for Reading. Used to play for mm. Cardiff. Um, uh, failed a trial at Arsenal uh, because Bertie Mee was terrified of him. Mm. So, yep, Super Furry Animals, the man don't give a la di da di da Yes, uh, Super Furry Animals, great, great history. Robin Friday, what a great name. Yeah. Which, not, apropos of nothing, but something, I mean, I lived in Moscow, as you may know, so I probably know this just because of that. Um, but in 1961, of course, uh, Russia, 61 was it? 60, must have been 62, I suppose. Uh, Russia won the European, uh, the Soviet Union won the European Championship. They were given a, a very late goal by an English referee. Uh, four years later, of course, England won the World Cup and were given a late goal by a Russian referee. Mm. Nothing dodgy about any of that at all. But uh, the, world, the, the European Championship was played on a Sunday night, uh, mm. which, because of the time difference, was a Monday morning, early Monday morning, in Russia. Uh, the fellow that scored the winning goal for the Soviet Union in that uh, European Cup win was a fellow called Viktor Ponidernik. Again, nothing unusual, uh, but all the headlines in Russian, in Russian newspapers, made great use of that um, because uh, Ponidelnik means Monday in Russian. So, <laughs> Ponidelnik, you know, Russia win on Monday, Monday wins it for Russia. Uh, so, they had, a, they had a field day with that. But uh, quite an interesting thing about the referees on both different occasions. Mm. Yeah, I, well, I mean, what was it? It had to have been 64 because the World Cup was 66. Yeah, sorry, so yeah, yeah. Um, we'll, have, we'll yeah. have to check our facts before we start speaking. But that well, we you're have, speaking about checks again now. Yeah. Aha. Aha. There, there is another headline. Um, <coughs> it, it's funny how headline writers can um, manipulate certain things. Argel Fuchs. Oh, yes. Um, now, have you heard of this chap? Yeah, go on. Um, <coughs> it's a Portuguese player, I believe, or Brazilian Portuguese. Um, ended up at, I think, it's either Benfica or Porto, and the headline was, Argel Fuchs (coughs) Uh off to 
uh, Benfica Almost or Porto. Right. But the spelling is the same as the swear word. Oh, is it really? That it makes is. it even worse. It really is. That's a lot worse than the Alan Hansen one about the uh, the German player, Kunz. Oh, they're, yes. They're not going to score now with the Germans. They've only got yeah. that <laughs> fella up front. Yeah. Now, do you think Hansen did that deliberately? Well, I'm... You know, a better man would have done that deliberately, but I'm just <laughs> not sure if it was in his um, mm. within his humour radar. But uh, nevertheless, possibly. Yeah. Uh, let's mm. move on then, Steve. Um, we are going to ask you, of course, to give us some of your favourite tracks to do with football. Uh, big thank you while we're on the uh, talking of football and, and song music and stuff like that. Uh, I'd like to say a big thank you uh, to the place where we record this. Uh, thank you for the sustenance. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to record here. In our bar. You're listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. In the blue corner, we've got Mr. Carl supporting Tottenham. In the red corner, we've got Mr. Kenner's supporting Arsenal. Together, they will be discussing all of your football views, all of your football news. So join us here on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Streets above is the place where you should meet. Open from one until late. Come and try our food out because it always tastes great. All the sports are shown in here. We've got a plasma streets and we've got ice cold beer. Above in the middle of our streets. Above Callahan's where you meet. Above. Soccer is a place to be We're so kind and we're so friendly With great food and good value Make our bar your bar It would be madness not to Find us on Facebook at our bar Yes, indeed. A big, big thank you to Our Bar and Neil Zocker Centre Calonda. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. Just look for Our Bar. Uh, and also a big thank you to Taxi Point. Uh, it's an online uh, magazine. Uh, basically, they, they give um, non-biased uh, news about the taxi industry. Taxi Point can be reached at all the w's.taxi-point.co.uk. Steve, you know a bit about them, don't you? Oh, I taxi do indeed. Point. I do indeed. Uh, just good, honest journalism about the taxi industry, both in the UK and even globally as well. Brilliant stuff. Uh, so thank you to all those people. You know, we're, we're very grateful for your support and your help. Um, right, let's move on, because we talked earlier in the show, Steve, about um, developing academies and the fact that there's not enough English players. And, I, you know, I'm very, you know, if we're going to go into politics, I'm very, very wary of, of, of that kind of thing. But there's nothing wrong with saying there should be more English players playing in the Premier League and the Championship because we're talking about competing in sport. That's all we're talking about. We're not talking about you know, this horrible thing about people saying they're coming over here and taking their, our jobs. It's nothing to do with that. It's about developing your own players. They shouldn't have to go to Germany to look, look like Sando, but you know, yeah. they shouldn't have to go to abroad. They shouldn't be... Rec- we, it's embarrassing that Dortmund recognised the talents in their, that young man that nobody else did. Mm. Um, so let's talk about... We've, we talked about how we need to develop the academies to make England a better team than they are because they were very fortunate to get to the semi-finals in the World Cup. Let's, let's not overestimate how good mm. they were. Um, so there needs to be some changes there. Um, do we think, though, talking of England, 
that the home international tournament should be brought back. There are too many tournaments, a lot of people are saying at the moment, uh, but is that one that should be brought back? I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people, with, in terms of Brexit, everybody's going to be going, yes, a bit of patriotism, bring the home internationals back, oh boy, and all that. But it, it, was, <laughs> it was a great competition in its day, but has its day gone? No, its day hasn't gone. I think it's the only tournament England are ever likely to win. <laughs> um, bring no, it back, bring it bring back. back. Um, yep. No, joking aside, I thought it was. I always thought the home internationals was an absolutely brilliant tournament. It really showcased, I think, English, Scottish, Welsh, Northern Irish um, talent. You know, and mm. and this is the thing. Uh, we've got this international league at the moment. It's absolute tripe. Oh, you, you don't like it. I, no. I'm not actually uh, adverse to it because uh, it. Unlike World Cup qualifiers, which basically, if you're Kazakhstan, with all due respect, if you're Georgia, with the greatest respect, if you're Luxembourg, with an equal measure of love and respect, you are cannon fodder. <laughs> you're there for England and France to score goals against, and you're there to make money for UEFA or for FIFA. Uh, in, the, in this nation, International Nations League, it... it it's very complicated. None of us quite understand it. And I think the rules are everybody plays everybody else until everybody's dead. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Not quite sure. But, however, it does mean that you are going to be pitted against um, people of your own level, as it were. You're mm. not going to be how many goals are we going to concede in our own stadium against you know, Portugal or something. Uh, it's not, you know, can our 5,000 fans turn up just to see Ronaldo? It's going to be, can we play a meaningful game of football against a team that are reasonably within our parameters of skill and, and, and experience. And it does give them a chance to move up a league and then put themselves up against the bigger teams. So in a way, it's kind of a democratic thing. But it's, and it's it makes it interesting. And, and there is, if, you, if you do well, um, you know, you move up a league. If you do well, like England are now in a, suddenly, they played three games, they're in the semi-final. Mm. That's what's confusing. Uh, which takes place in Portugal uh, next year, I think. Mm. Um, but it also helps you somehow with your European qualifying, which is a different competition. So it is vastly confusing, but also I think it does give a chance for people to see their own team, possibly even get a draw or win against a team not miles ahead of them. It is so utterly, utterly overcomplicated. It... I haven't really met anybody yet that's completely been able to decipher what you do to, to actually win the tournament. It's a mess. It's a complete mess. Um, I, 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 I've got to say, I, I would just, as, as, a, as an England fan, I would just rather see the home internationals back and have that tournament every every four years, every every um, every odd year. Yeah, didn't it used to be every year, though? I don't know. I th or did time just go quicker when I was younger? I, I don't know. know. I think time went a lot quicker when yeah. we were younger, to be yeah. fair. <laughs> but it's it should slow time, time down now. Um, um, but no, I, the only problem with that is that we're going back to that idea that basically, you, you know, you got with, again, with greatest respect and all that to Wales and Ryan Giggs and what he's doing there, and to Northern Ireland, who, you know, at times have, uh, have, have shown to be a very good international side, and Scotland, you know, who've had a lot of problems but have just been almost there and then just failed at the last moment. I England are going to win it, aren't they? They no. just are. You would no, think I I they, they've got the better chance. I disagree. I mean, if you look over previous years at home international winners, oh, Northern Ireland have won it, Wales, well, they, they've all won it. They've all won it at different periods, mm. despite England technically being the strongest 
team in the group. Yeah. The, these these sides, they 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 play well. They 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 want to compete with England. They want to beat the arse off of England. Quite frankly. Well, this is where it kind of went wrong. I mean, the the old enemy as the Scottish used to call us, well, they probably still do, and mm. they're, uh, like with many football rivalries, uh, be it, you know, the, the Manchester, let's just, just for example, Manchester United and Liverpool, that, that rivalry mm. um, goes back to the Manchester Ship Canal, and it was a political and economic thing. Yeah. Um, the, the, the rivalry between Scotland and England, of course, is even deeper, uh, you know, with the Union of 1801 and all that kind of thing. Um, there's a political reason behind it, and it did become... A little bit too much when, and it got banned, not banned, it got cancelled forever, uh, back in the 80s, I think, wasn't it? Um, when yeah. the Scottish fans, or, or f- people, let's just say some people, tore up the pitch at Wembley when Scotland won. Uh, they knocked down the goalpost. There was, you know, the pitch, there was a pitch invasion. Who, yeah. Let's not say who it was, but there was a pitch invasion, and it was just too much. Now, since, those eight, since the 80s, football hooliganism has, has disappeared, all but. Um, some of the, the horrible things that used to happen on the terraces disappeared all but. But it's it's creeping back again. So maybe it's not the right time. I'm a little bit worried with Brexit and the, and, and the, the referendum in Scotland, the independence referendum. There's too much. And, and, and the creeping back of a sort of job element I see in society at the moment in Britain as a whole, in the UK, it might not be the right time to introduce something quite as um, controversial or, or quite as... Uh, I don't know, there's a lot of... It's going to be confrontational. Well, one of the ways around that then is to play it on neutral territory. Play it in in Spain, play it in Italy, play play a game in France. That's not fair to the fans, though. It's a great idea. Um, You know, it's a a nice weekend away or or, or two weeks away. Um, You know, play it in... Play in yeah, play it in the south. Come here and play it. Yeah. Uh, it'd be lovely. Nice Got Malaga those. FC down the road. Play yeah, on absolutely. But uh, that's no that's no no good to the fans who can't afford to come away and watch it. That's the problem. No, but the point the point point is, um, you know, you want to try and quell some of the, the potential aggravation that that may ha- may occur. Um, it, you know, th- th- there's nothing there's nothing better. Then, then <laughs> there's nothing better for for a Scottish football fan than a rip up Wembley, and you can't blame them because you know we've done this, we've done the same at Hampden Park. So no, no, it's, it's six and two, three. Yeah, half you know, we're, I'm not going to just sit here and blame blame Scottish fans because the Scots fans are brilliant. You know, in the main, they are absolutely wonderful. Like so most fans of any club or yeah, any nationality, yeah, though, I, you know, ninety nine percent lovely. Perhaps if it's played on a neutral t- a neutral ground, it then could quell some of the potential aggravation but with its with its history and its reputation uh, and as i say you know it's just my opinion many people may may differ and disagree with me and you have every right to and i could be completely wrong but i you know with with the current political climate with brexit with all that with the rise of this as i see it yobbishness what country is going to go yeah we'll have your competition here come over <laughs> I, I, I can't see France or Belgium or anybody. Qatar would. Uh, yeah, Qatar, great. <laughs> <laughs> and we're back to where we started at the Indeed. top of the show. Um, you know, criticising FIFA for bribing uh, people to give Qatar the World Cup. Now England, Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales are going to have to be bribing countries to take their fans. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I love your idea. Make it neutral. But that takes away a bit of the magic of it. 
and I, d I can't see any European country accepting it. Better to have some of the magic than none of the magic. Yeah. What do you think? Let us know uh, in the comments section uh, below this podcast or on our Facebook page. Carl and Kenneth's hitting the bar. Mm. Uh, football from monocles to man buns. Uh, we are on uh, Twitter as well and on all good platforms, including, of course, iTunes and Spotify. Uh, we've only a few minutes left, Steve. Mm. Um, let's wrap it up. Uh, Right. Interesting show, but what, what what have you got for us next week? Because well, we are going to be looking at some uh, some older clubs again, aren't we? We are indeed. Ne uh, ne next week, I think we might have a little look at uh, Stoke City FC, the second oldest football team in the world. A potted uh, history of the potters. A potted history of the potteries. Yes, we'll be pottering around that one, um, lovely. Also, we're going to, very briefly, we're going to start a Liverpool Everton combined ah. eleven, which we will do right now. Let's start. Um, so let's start that off. Let's yeah. let's get people excited and interested in that. Um, well, let's get them involved. I don't know whether they'll be interested and excited, but let's just get well, involved. Well, it's going to be controversial. <laughs> yeah. It is going to be. I mean, it will be. you're an Arsenal fan. Yeah. I'm a Tottenham fan. That's kind of the the unique selling point of this podcast. In many yeah. ways, that we sat down, we appreciate football. We don't have a go at each other, even though your team is rubbish and mine is brilliant. We don't. We don't. <laughs> we don't. Look we into don't, my eye. We don't <laughs> approach each other with that yeah. animosity. Much. And Everton and Liverpool, of course, big rivals as well. Huge rivals, of course, just across a very single small stretch of park from each other. Indeed. Interesting fact, uh, the first tenants of Anfield uh, was not Liverpool FC. The first people to play and own that stadium was, in fact, Everton. And they found a better ground, Goodison, and then they, they gave it to Liverpool. Mm. Probably not gave it, they sold it. But actually, Anfield was originally Everton Stadium. Um, however, my point being that an mm. a Liverpool Everton uh, combined 11, 16 mm. since 1975 is, is going um, to cause some controversy. Yeah, it will because we're going to leave out some great names. Absolutely brilliant names. So we'll just start with a goalkeeper and the defenders at the moment. So I've got with Neville Southall in goal. Was looking at Clements, was looking at Grobelar, but then Southall was considered to be one of the best goalkeepers on the planet. I think we've got to go with Southall. Yeah, and I think with Grobelar, oh. a little bit controversial yeah. because of what happened with the you know match fixing and yeah, all that. Exactly. I think Taints is great player, great mm. goalkeeper, of course. Wobbly legs, all it used to do to yep. to put people off. Um, but you know the, the match fixing, which he forever denied, um, yeah, yeah, it yeah. kind of taints taints his his history a little bit. A, a, a touch, a touch. So I've got and never Southall. By the way, if yep. you're on Twitter. Follow him. He is hilarious and brilliant. Do it. Do it. You've been told. Do it. Do it. Right. So, <laughs> who else have we got? At right back. It's always going to be Phil Neal. Always going to be Phil Neal. Right. Absolutely. Um, penalty taker extraordinaire. Brilliant down the right-hand side. England stalwart. Left back, Leighton Baines. And in the centre, Emlyn Hughes, Slaven Bilic. So wow. that's what I've started off with at the moment. There you are. We've started that off. That's your combined uh, 16. Or it's start, got a started a combined 16. Yeah. That's, a, that's a, the beginning of it. You've got to add to it by putting it in the comments. Uh, and we will continue that in the next episode of Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Football from Monocles to Man Buns. Available on iTunes, Spotify and all good podcast platforms. And uh, also, you can, you, you know, we're always on Facebook and Twitter as well. Mm. Thank you for listening. Join us for the next episode. Steve, thank you. Thank you very much.
And bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. Join us again next week for more of their twisted football news, all of their weird football views. You can find them here every week on Carl and Kenner's Hitting the Bar. We'll see you again shortly.